This is the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and from Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. Oh, we are moving up in the world. Oh, I've got man. fist pumping from Eddie. You finally made it, my friend. You are all over this thing. The voice of God has introduced it. I thought your name should have been first, frankly, Eddie. But yeah, let's go with this. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. And we're filling in for JT the Brick today and tomorrow. But the, the big news, if you've never hung out with us before, is that Eddie doesn't usually have the voice of God say his name. And it happened today, Eddie. Would you like to make a, a speech? Man, I, I would just... Right now? I'd I'd like to thank uh, I'd like to thank my parents for putting me in this position. I'd like to thank uh, really everyone that's helped me get you know from A to Z. Damon, I know that was probably you. Man, it feels good, Fitz. I'm fired up. It's a Monday. I had a great weekend. I got back from Indy. I'm energized. I slept really well the past couple of days, and I slept even better knowing that I'd have to bring the heat. I'd have to bring some excitement and energy because I'm hanging out with you over the next couple of days. But that just took me from like like a seven, seven and a half. To like an eight. I'm feeling good. I have zero complaints. I'm, I'm excited. Let's do let's do a show, man. Can we do that? Uh, we can do that. I'm excited to hang out with you because you were in Indy last week. And I sure was. All eyes are going to be on the combine. Everybody wants to talk about the combine. Uh, I, you know, and I, I love the combine because, frankly, at ESPN, I get to cover so much college football, and it's great to watch these guys go for their dreams. Uh, one of the biggest stories was Jordan Davis. I have not hidden my man crush on Jordan Davis for a year. I really hoped that, frankly, as much as I loved the young guy, I wanted him to run really slow so that there was a chance he would be available at 22. That did not happen. He had a monster, monster combine. Congratulations to him. He has flown up the board, and it takes somebody that I love off the radar now. Now I'm seeing all these mock drafts that have him going to the Chargers in the teens. And Eddie, it made me a little sad, but absolutely ecstatic for that young man to run that quickly. Oh, man, 100%. You and I actually were talking about this over the weekend where I, I love a nimble big man. And I am very much on the record where these big fellas never get the type of shine for being the pure athletes that they are. Now, if you say, hey, Eddie, who are the best athletes, pound for pound athletes that you have seen working for the Raiders? And the two guys that come to mind is Kalecio Semele, number one. Kalechi could have done anything in the world of, of, of athletics. He could have been a power forward in the NBA. He could have played third base in baseball. Like, he could have done anything. And then my man Gabe Jackson is the other one that comes up. Because people forget. You look at them, and you're like, that. this is just like a big dude. He's like 6'4", 350. You forget how powerful, how nimble, how quick these dudes are. And I know we were, like, we were talking about about your guy, and you look at the, the 40 that he ran, they did that video comparing him to James Winston and Baker Mayfield. It is astounding, Fitz, how well these big fellows are moving in 2022. Well, and the other astounding thing, I, I heard Brady Quinn say this morning, I uh, want to give him love for it because I didn't know this, uh, the reports are that Jordan lost 40 pounds oh. from the national championship to now to ensure that he could run the fastest 40. And this is something I, I think everybody needs to hear because I've talked to a, a few people around the combine to try and get a sense, why is everybody running faster, right? Like, that's a big question. Is it genetics? Is it just that people are getting faster? But it's not. So much of the conversation has been around the specific training that happens. And that's what we need to understand is that, you know, for a lot of these college kids, the minute you decided you weren't going to be part of bowl season, 
you went into training. And uh, in Jordan's case, the minute he wins a national championship, he goes into training. And it's not just a, a nutritionist. It's not just people helping you with weights. It's people helping you run these drills as efficiently and effectively as possible. So what we end up with are, are times being shaved down because, frankly, you have people that are, are better capable of spending very focused time preparing for these specific drills. So I, I don't think there's as much emphasis on running particularly fast for a wide receiver, let's say, as there, there has been in previous years. But when you're talking about somebody that sheer size, 341 pounds, 6'7", and you run in basically 5'7", like, uh, or 4'7", I should say, at that point, like that is so unbelievably athletic, it just has to make your mouth just drop open. Yeah, and I think that, look... I'm going to be like, you know, I'm, I'm just like the next guy, right? Where you see the 40 times, you see, and obviously you don't see a ton of the quarterback story, but you see some of the reps at 225. My guy, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, shout out to him one time. I mean, you look at the obscene stuff that he's doing on the bench press, and it's great, and it's exciting, and I actually talked to Josh McDaniels about this, that it's, it's, really, it's hard to not get caught up in that excitement, right? Like, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure we all are. But, but Josh and, and Dave Ziegler, who are obviously much better football men than you and I, said, hey, it's important, yes, you don't want to see a wide receiver coming out and running a four seven four eight, whatever it is, but it's just a piece of the puzzle. And so I think that's kind of the delicate space that we all have to live in is being like, yeah, this dude flies, and that's awesome, and he is going to be a freak athletic at the next level, but it is just one piece of the information-gathering puzzle that we see in Indy. I love the way you said that, Eddie, because everything has its place in the process, right? And it's a very detail-oriented process, and it should be, especially in a moment right now, like, let's just be real. None of us have any idea how Josh and Dave are going to handle I love, like, I'm on a first-name basis with them. Like, we're all buddies, right? But none of us have any idea how they're going to handle this draft process. And that we have to be very real about that. There's been some good articles written about the fact that other teams even are looking at it saying, what are the Raiders going to do? There's a real question there. But the one thing you should want from your favorite team is for everyone to be calculated in the approach for what they're looking for. You don't want anyone that's going to come in and fall in love with any one thing. So how you played against uh, upper echelon uh, opponents, that should matter. That's a piece of it. How you perform at the scouting combine is a piece of it. How you perform in the interviews is a piece of it. Your pro day is a piece of it. And a lot of people have spent the last few days telling all of us that the combine is worthless. I would argue it's not. And I'll go back to something a, a, a former scout told me a few years ago when he said sometimes it's not about the actual drills that are being run. It's about understanding that this young man knew they had a particular discipline that had to be accomplished. How did they accomplish it? So as, as, you know, as crazy as it sounds, on one hand, when we say, well, nobody ever runs the 40, how, why does the 40 matter? It doesn't. But when you know that you're going to have to run the 40, did you do everything that you could to be the best at that that you could possibly be? And that is, in and of itself, a quality that teams are looking for above and beyond whatever the final number is. It's the discipline that has to matter. I mean, you're 100% right where it's, yes, the discipline. We have a goal. We have an objective. How are we getting there? How is this 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old kid getting from A to Z, knowing that, hey, this is essentially the most important job interview of his life. But the second part of it, too, is just the pure information gathering of it, right, Fitz? I mean, you need to know for these kids, hey, the, you know, I know this kid had a bum shoulder in high school. Are we good on that? I know that he had a, some ankle issues in college. Where do we stand on that? How do we know? How can we build? How can we paint this full picture of prospect A, B, C, D, and F? And the other thing, and Dave Ziegler brought this up to me when we were talking in Indy, he goes, there's, there's so much value in the information, but a lot of this is just the fit. And I thought that was a really important thing that he said, because look, if you look at, at the, the pure numbers, the stats, the, the college stats, the combine numbers, whatever it may be, 
there's value there. But if for whatever reason you just get a weird vibe from a kid when you sit down for that 30-minute interview, if something just doesn't fit, if, it, if he's not really in, in complete alignment of what you want to do, and for year one of for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, you are 100% wanting guys that fit what you do. And so if you have any type of, uh, I don't know, that's where you got to figure it out is at the combine because when you get into the end of April, that final weekend in April that we're all counting down to, that is not the time to have any type of second guesses about, build, about potentially landing a building block for your franchise. Yeah, I keep thinking about you know, my, my past in the music business, and we're going to tell some fun stories from the ACM Awards since they're in Vegas uh, tonight. Obviously, i got a bunch of buddies that will be performing there. Uh, but I keep thinking about my past in that, that life as you talk uh, about sort of a piece of the puzzle and what you're looking for. And a buddy of mine told me when I was first getting into the music business, he said, you'll rarely be hired or fired for what you do for 90 minutes on stage. What gets you hired or fired is what's the hang like the rest of the day on the tour bus. And there's some truth in that to life. Like, yes, you have to be good enough to hold your job, but the presumption is you're already in that that 1% the minute you got in the room. So now, how do you stay in the room? You stay in the room by, you know, showing everybody that yes, you just you know how to to fit in, how to assimilate into the culture of that organization and not every touring organization is the same. And I also think about when we would have to do auditions if somebody decided they were leaving a project and you got to come in and look for it like you're not always looking for the best drummer you're not always looking for the best guitar player you're looking for the best drummer or guitar player to play the style of music that you need played in a way that you need it played and and that's such a truth in life and i don't care if you work at a factory making widgets like you need somebody that that can handle a particular responsibility incredibly well and still fit in with everybody we see it in media right like it's not just put a bunch of guys together on a show it's do they have chemistry and can they work together and do you have somebody that can pick up the slack for somebody else doing this and strengths and weaknesses like that's real in life and it's real in football and that's why some of these mock draft processes i think are so frankly asinine because you've got somebody looking at it in an absolute vacuum saying well this wide receiver is good and therefore because this team needs a wide receiver that's the right pick and it's not always that simple it's it's about the system and the fit for all of it and you, you hit the nail on the head and we talked to champ kelly the assistant gm for the las vegas Raiders when we were in indy we were busy in indy fits i mean we went we went okay so shout out our guy will kiss once because on a, i think it was tuesday we went back to back to back we went uh, Josh McDaniels conversation, Dave Ziegler conversation, Champ Kelly conversation. Dude, I, I was sweating bullets by the end, man. And they didn't even have the lights out. I was just, I was exhausted. I was like, someone just, someone come me. I need, I need the water. I felt like a boxer. I'd gone nine rounds. But one thing that Champ Kelly had said that really stood out to me in, in terms of what you were talking about, in terms of that fit, he goes, look, not every player has to be your first round home run hitter. He goes, what we're going to do as a staff is we are going to do our due diligence on everyone that we think makes sense in our system. And Champ has a background in the CFL, in the AFL. He goes, there are diamonds in the rough that you can find. And he goes, it's our job to find them. He goes, just be, and he didn't say it essentially like this, but he said, he did say, just because you went to a big program doesn't necessarily equate that you are going to be a stud at the next level. And you look at some of the guys that we have experience with, right, Fitz? You look at Jalen Richard, an undrafted guy. You look at A.J. Cole, friend of the program, an undrafted guy. 
Alec Ingold, I mean, just because you don't get selected in the first round, by no stretch of the imagination does not does that mean that you aren't going to contribute to an NFL team for a very, very, very long time. And to hear Champ say that, fundamentally, what we want to be about are finding those guys. And yes, if you can run a 4-2 and you, and you played at Clemson and you caught a million touchdowns, like, yeah, the odds are that's probably going to turn out decently well. But it's their job to find the guys that are slipping under the radar. But then you look up and you're like, that guy had a great six, seven, eight pro, pro uh, eight year pro career. I, I keep thinking when you say that he's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT, the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, you guys can hang out with us. The phone number seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Eddie, when you you say that, I, I keep thinking about one of our Super Bowl shows we did at ESPN. So we did a digital show before the Super Bowl. And we went into a production meeting, and I got all these people from all over the country in this production meeting, a bunch of Patriots fans. And so I was asking everybody about the draft and, and how they consume it because we're getting ready to start some of our draft prep. And the Patriots fans that were in the room laughed at me. And one of them was like, dude, I haven't watched a draft in a decade because the Patriots always trade out of the first round, and everybody else they draft, most of us have never heard of. So you just accept the fact that it's going to be a bunch of people you don't know, and the coaches are going to make them people you do know. That's such a different approach than every other fan base because, and I'm not just talking about Raiders fans. Like part of the reason the draft broadcast we did last year had over 7 million views for the first round. And the part, part of the reason for that is that fans are consuming this with such passion because they're looking at this thing, who's going to be the next savior. And if you're the, the Patriots, you've looked at it for a long time and said, well, the saviors are already in the building, so who's going to be the next person? Much different process and mindset into what we should all be expecting because the Raiders are picking at 22, not two. Nothing is sure, and we have no idea. You know, it's it's funny you bring that up, too, because we were talking about 22 a lot over the week in Indy, and it's a very unique place to reside because, to your point, it's, it's not two. It's not a top 10 pick. It's not even a top 15 pick. So we get down to that point in the first round, consider, and we're all kind of assuming that the Raiders, for the purpose of this conversation, are going to stay at 22. But all of a sudden, you're not looking at names that perhaps the average NFL fan knows. And so it, it, it provides a lot of intrigue there. And, stated in the obvious, if you're at 22, that gives you a lot of uh, flexibility. Do we move up if we love a guy? Do we move out of the first round to, to pick up another second-round pick? Like, it's a unique place to reside, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right, Fitz? It's okay to live in that, in that world of 22. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, everything about that. Like, this is where you want to be. And also, can we just acknowledge most teams are bad because they're bad at the draft? Right. Yeah. So the one thing that's always funny to me is that we sit there and we're passionate about the draft and passionate about the draft. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like we've had a handful of teams that have been consistently good in the NFL and they've consistently drafted in the late 20s. And we've consistently said, how did they get that guy? Like, so that's what we should all be shooting for. You, you buried the lead, though, because as you mentioned, you met with Champ, with Dave. And with coach, right? I'm on first name basis with all yeah. of them, even oh, yeah. though I'm not. Sure, sure. The question is, at, at what point are you nickname basis with the guys? Because, like, Champ feels like, you know, what's up, Champ? I feel like we're good. Like, when does it become Ziggs for you? And, like, Mickey oh, D, I, I made that one up. You can use it. You cannot use it. Like, when do we go When do we go nicknames with all the, the new peeps? You know what? I, I think uh, my gut tells me this time next offseason. Because uh, you can't force okay. it. You can't force it. You really got to kind of let this come naturally. And, and look, Fitz, you and I know this. This business that we're in, the business of football, whether it's you, know, you and I in the media side, coaches, players, whatever it is, this is a people business. 
right? So you cannot force that relationship. You don't want to be the guy that's coming in super aggressive, going for all the daps and the bro hugs and this and that. Now, did me and McDaniels share a few few bro hugs through the week? Yeah, we did fit. But that's that's not oh, the point. Oh, yeah. That's not it's the good. point. But you just got to you got to get there slowly. So if I were if I were a betting man, I say this time next year we have fully locked in nicknames uh, and and we're at a, at a much better place in terms of our, our relationship, the the professional part of it, and uh, and I'm excited. But Demond's giving me the phone uh, the phone uh, what's the, the the gesture right? Demond, what do we got here? We got our guy Fargo Raider up. Fargo Raider, what do you got? Oh hey, what's up, guys? Glad to hear you guys on. I loved it last time you guys covered for JT. You guys do an outstanding job, man. Got to say that first off. And uh, I had a couple questions for you guys, actually. First, uh, who do you guys think is um, a guy or a couple guys that are comparable to uh, Jordan Davis? I mean, he's a freak, obviously. It's going to be hard, but that is a realistic pick for us, whether it be first or second round. And then what's the current draft stock on um, Christian Watson? I, living up here in Fargo, NDSU is right down the street. I'm a season ticket holder. And watching that guy, I mean, he's big, he's fast, and he plays mean. Thank you guys for taking my call, and I'll listen for your answer out there. Oh, man, shout out to good people. Yeah, North I mean, Dakota one time, Fitz. Uh, amen to that, by the way. And we were talking before we went on air, by the way, about how cold it is usually in Connecticut. That's got nothing to Fargo. I'm no. just saying, like, Fargo lives in a different universe than the rest of that, so... Uh, defensive tackles that are at all similar to Jordan Davis, there are none. Uh, size and speed, uh, uh, there, there just there aren't. Uh, there's a kid out of Texas A&M, Leo, that a lot of people like. Uh, he's he's high on the board with some of the guys I've talked to. Uh, anybody from Georgia defensively is going to be drafted this year. Devontae Wyatt's been on a bunch of lists, so uh, I, I look at that. But there really isn't anybody as explosive. If you're looking for somebody like maybe third, fourth round, Zachary Carter out of uh, Florida has played uh, tackle end end, not knowing what our defensive line is going to look like and what the formation is going to be, that'll be a really interesting conversation, you know. But if I'm if I'm the Raiders and I go into this draft knowing I can't get Jordan Davis, then I'm I'll, I'm squarely looking at that point for the absolute best defensive player on the on the board, whoever that might be, whatever position that might be. Like I I just don't think that there's anything wrong. With uh, with with waiting essentially, and, and you tell me what you heard, Eddie, at the combine. But I, to me, it's it's all about finding the best guy on the board. Yeah, I, I'm a big, and I know it's it's so funny where it's become like a controversial best player available. Like, I who would have thought that that's like something? Oh, what a take that is! Take the best guy on the board. But I, I'm with you. Where I'm gonna take the best guy that's there at 22. And real quick though, we were talking about Georgia. Fitz, did any school? have a better weekend at the Combine than the University of Georgia? It seemed like every time that one of their, that one of their guys was out there doing the thing, oh, you know, fly, you know, flying up draft boards, has, has gone from a day two to a day one, a consensus top ten pick. I mean, the dogs, they might have had the best week of anyone in the great city of Indianapolis. Yeah, and I'll steal this from Mina Kimes when she said, thank God Georgia won a national championship because if they hadn't with all those defensive <laughs> players, we'd be sitting here right now saying, what the oh, heck happened? I think that that's real. Uh, uh, Fargo also asked about uh, – asked, that's a new word – asked us asked about Christian Watson, uh, the North Dakota State 
wide receiver. He had a great combine. Thing of it is, wide receiver is stacked. We're going to get into that a little later in this show, actually, with the wide receiver position specifically. But uh, the, the wide receiver position, I think once you get out of the first four or five prospects, it really is your favorite flavor of ice cream. But he's big. I think, I think he came in at 210, uh, but he, he's, he's a tall guy. He ran a little faster than any expect, anybody expected. I, I think he actually raised some uh, eyebrows in, in Indy. You know, it's it's interesting you bring up the uh, the wide receiver class fits because you know we're we're an Indian and so much of what we do is also information gathering. It is talking to the folks that we trust around the league, is talking to analysts, or talking to people that know a lot more X's and O's football than we do. And, and one thing that was a really constant theme that I wrote down in my notebook three or four times is people were saying this. You look at this draft class and the wide receiver position. And you can get, to your point, essentially whatever flavor you're looking for. Uh, and we were talking to Bucky Brooks, and Bucky was saying, look, if it was me, you look at what the Raiders have in terms of weapons for Derek Carr, in terms of that wide receiving core, you need to start building a complete group for him. Yes, Renfro is fantastic. Renfro has a very specific set of skills. Yes, Darren Waller is, is elite, and we include Darren Waller in this conversation for obvious reasons. But you need to start looking at that big body, you know, red zone wide receiver where can you get him? Because you got to give Derek Carr that. Derek Carr has so many things at his disposal, but that is the one thing that's missing. And, and Bucky was essentially saying that, look, if that's what you're in the, in the market for, if you're in the market for kind of that vertical straight line speed guy, you're going to find that. So this is an interesting group in terms of looking at this wide receiver draft class of, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are going to be impact players on day two and day three. And I, I think that is going to be one, in particular where the silver and black are, are concerned. It'll be interesting to see how that situation plays out. Well, and, and it should be like Chris Olave out of Ohio State is another guy that I have a man crush on. But sure. I, after the way he ran in the combine, there's no way Olave is still sitting around in my mind at 22. I think there's a run on wide receivers. And, and that, that takes us to a point. You guys can call us, by the way, 702-365-9200. A lot of conversation, especially this week, with everything that's happening at the wide, position, wide receiver position, particularly one guy you might have heard of in Green Bay. But as infatuated as everybody is with the concept of a free agent i'll tell you why i'm not sure that's the best move we're gonna do that it's the jt the brick show hanging out eddie pascal i'm jason fitz we're in for jt on raider nation radio 702-365-9200 we'll get into why you might want to think about the wide receiver position differently next welcome back to the jt the brick show filling in for jt is jason fitz and eddie pascal He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. This is the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. You guys can hang out with us. 702-369200. Got a lot of Raider stuff to break down. Also, ACM Awards tonight. Uh, historic one, too, by the way. I don't know if you caught this, Eddie, but for the first time, the ACM Awards will not be on a linear partner. They will only be on Amazon Prime. So not only know. have they moved from MGM to Allegiant, but they are, uh, they're doing the big thing on Amazon Prime. So we'll, I, I, got, I got a couple of good ACM stories for you. So we'll... we'll We'll get to that in uh, in just a little bit. You know, we'll we'll, we'll have a little bit of ACM fun. Uh, have you ever? Are you going, Eddie? You you no, live in Vegas. No, no. So I look, man. It's it's a school night. As much as I would love to be out there, for this, it's a school night, and I got you know I had a few uh, admittedly kind of longer evenings in the great city of Indianapolis during the combine because, as I said, it's all information gathering. I got a lot of people to talk to. I got a lot of friends around the league to catch up with. So I was up a little uh, a little after my bedtime for my my nights in Indy. So this week. I got to be in bed, and uh, and my mighty Oregon Ducks are actually coming into town in just a few days, and you know the the times for those games are you know six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. So I got I got to pace myself 
going into the week. But I am shocked, yeah. Fitz. And we were talking about this. I'm shocked you're not here physically. I, I know that it's great to connect with you over the airwaves, but it, it's bizarre to me that you're not here in the desert. Every single year, I'm like, I'm going to come out. I'm going to hang out. Might even play them. And, uh, and every year, I get caught up in college mm. basketball work at, uh, at the mothership, and I end up not making it out there. So uh, my, my buddy, Derek Wells, is uh, actually running the house band this year, and Derek's won the Musician of the Award, Musician of the Year Award several times. He's running the band there. I, I know I could hit him up and be like, hey, buddy, put me in. And, and it would happen. And I just always forget. And uh, yeah, and that's on me. I, I failed. Next year, Eddie, I'm going to drag you past your bedtime. I'm, you know, uh, again, I love that he says to school now uh, when he doesn't have kids. I'm going <laughs> to. We'll go and we'll hang out with a bunch of, you know, country stars and uh, I'll, I'll get you I'll get you inebriated on cheap beer and it, it'll feel right. It'll feel oh so right for you. Sometimes that's the dream, brother. Sometimes that's the dream. And I'm, I'm curious. So <laughs> I, and I, you, I know you said that you could, you, could, you could pop in right at the at the drop of a hat and, and you could you could be in the mix. Now, is there like a uh, is there like a practice squad type situation where if if uh, your gentleman who's running the house band if, hey, the guitar player got the flu, he ate some bad shrimp, and he can't go to work. Like, what is the process of then getting the next guy in there quick, fast, in a hurry? It actually happened to us for the Country Music Awards, not the Academy of Country, but the Country Music Awards in Nashville. Uh, one of our, uh, our drummer had an incident the day, of, uh, the day before the award show and had to miss the rehearsal. And so I, it was my job as the band leader to have a Rolodex ready. So I called my buddy that is Scotty McCreary's drummer because they were also playing the award show. And I was like, hey, can you, can you double up? We'd been on tour with him that year. So he kind of knew the song. I'm like, can we get together now, run the song so that you can play it tomorrow on, uh, on national TV? So you just got to have a Rolodex. The good news is if that happens, there are so many guitar players in Allegiant right now that are playing mm-hmm. for so many different acts that – Somebody just steps in and uh, and takes care of it. Uh, it's going to be magical in Allegiant. Uh, obviously, in Allegiant is a beautiful place. I, I will miss the charm of you know the few years that's been in, in the my entire career. Actually, it's always been at the MGM. So you know, but it's a big deal. Amazon Prime tonight. Well, you know, everybody should check it out. I'll I'll give you uh, two great ACM in my opinion, great ACM stories coming up. But you you speak. Uh, you, you're talking about wish list. I think a lot of Raiders fans have a wish list right now that includes Devontae Adams coming over from Green Bay. And that's only funny to me because there, there's this lesson that I need everybody to understand, Eddie. And, you know, I always talk about how you can't pay quarterbacks. Well, I should remind everybody. I went back and did the research over a 10-year period. And if you go over a 10-year period and you don't include punters or kickers, we're not including special teams. We're just talking about our starting 11 on offense, starting 11 on defense. If you go back over the last 10 years, Rob Gronkowski is the only player that was the highest paid at his position, any position, to win a Super Bowl over the last decade. So for everybody that says you can't pay your quarterback and win, the real answer is you can't pay anybody and win a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, there's tears to that, and you still want you want to reward guys and get better, right? So then what do you do? Well, I would make the argument that if you look over the last three or four years, you mentioned how stacked this wide receiver class is. Last year, I sat on there with ESPN, and I'm like, oh, my God, the best wide receiver class we've ever seen. The year before that, it was, oh, we have never seen talent like this. And the fact is, I talked to one of our draft analysts about this last week. There are so many kids coming up now playing seven-on-seven that understand elusiveness better and athleticism better that wide receiver classes are just getting better and better and better every year. Now, there are two or three guys in the league that are can't miss, oh, my God. But realistically, for most teams, you can find it in the draft. you got to have the patience to draft a wide receiver instead of going out and paying one massive money because they are attainable 
in the draft. Two words for you, Fitz. Hunter Renfro. That's all you got to say. The perfect example of not getting caught up in the how fast is this guy, how big are his hands, how many times can he bench 225. He's a good football player, a great football player, and, and you find that value later in the draft. And historically speaking, Fitz, you look at the teams, you look at the front offices that win, and not only that win, but win consistently year after year after year. The teams that we find ourselves looking at them and say, hey, you know, it's, it's been seven years and they're still in the mix every holiday season. They can find those guys on day two and day three of the draft. And I know we brought them up a little bit ago. The undrafted free agent ranks, too. You have to hit on a few of those. And look, you're going to sign, what, 12, 15 UDFAs. You don't need all of them to contribute. But if you're, getting, if you're getting quality snaps from one or two of those guys a year and the financial flexibility that hitting on those guys gives you, now all of a sudden you're cooking with gas, assuming that those top-end guys, your day one guy, your round one guy, your day two, or excuse me, your round two, round, two, round three guys, you're getting quality starters there and you're supplementing with guys on day three and in the UDFA ranks, now all of a sudden you're looking at the picture for 2022, but then you zoom back a little bit to 23, 24, and you're looking at what that type of financial flexibility gives you. Now you're starting to build something that is sustainable for not a year, but two, three, four, five, six, and, and, and so on it goes. Well, and start thinking about just the way the position works. Now, granted, you got to be able to get a hit in the draft, and that's not always the easiest. And I would say that across the board. Like, we can have draft conversations all day long. You got to get it right. You got to actually get the guys, find the guys. But DJ Shark is one of the names that everybody's mm-hmm. talking about right now that the Raiders may be interested. Well, let's remember in 2018, he was the second round pick. He was near the end of the second round. Uh, Michael Gallup is about to get a new deal with the Cowboys, according to multiple reports. Third round pick from that same year. You, you mentioned Hunter Renfro. That's obvious. But DK Metcalf, also a second round pick in the draft. AJ Brown, a second round pick in the draft. Debo Samuel, second round pick in the draft. Like you can keep going up and down this list over the course of the last several years. And yeah, you're going to have misses. That's always going to happen. But T Higgins was expected to be a valuable contributor in the Super Bowl from the second round of the draft. And even if you look in the first round of the draft and, and you look at guys like Lamb and Judy that in the first round of the draft, obviously Jamar Chase last year. But the point becomes, if you can keep an eye out every year or two, looking for guys that can come in and contribute, uh, you know, right right away. And from the draft, if you can get yourself a Justin Jefferson in the draft, you do that. And there's a this line where okay, you got to get it right, but you also just have to be disciplined to say, do I need to spend money on this position or do I need to get a home run in the draft? And and we have that conversation all the time about quarterbacks, but we should be having it more. About about wide receivers because I think wide receivers becoming a little like running back the way they've changed offenses they become more and more replaceable in modern NFL culture you know I'd be really interested to see this fit and I'm sure your pals at ESPN have the uh, the statistical expertise to find this out but I would be really interested to know whether where more thousand yard receivers have come from over the past call it 10 years from the first round or from call it the third round and below. Like I, I think that there's an interesting case study there to say, because to your point, the way that these kids are coming out of college now, like they are ready to go in the NFL. They have been playing football for the sole purpose uh, of developing a game that is NFL ready. So now maybe, hey, just because you're not one of the first 32 guys taken, like all of a sudden, like we're seeing guys day two, day three that are coming in and contributing in a big way. So I do wonder how the, the stats of that kind of bear out in terms of thousand yard receivers. Yeah, and, and I'm. You know what? By tomorrow, I'm going to have an answer for us. Oh, on look that, at Eddie, you! That is a, a 
I mean, that that's, uh, well, I'm going to have an answer. Let me be honest, guys. Like, I, I'm always real with everybody, right? I'm going to peel back the curtain. We have Slack, like so many people have used Slack in their lives. Like, it's a work, you know, software for anyone that doesn't know where you can do, like, chats and everything. There's a ESPN stats and info Slack, and I just go in there, and I ask somebody way smarter than me. And, like, 10 minutes later, they come back. I'm like, here you go. And they hand me a packet of information that I have no idea they got that quickly. That is, that's real. So that's, I'm going to utilize the great resources of Please. these stat weenies at ESPN, and they're going to they're gonna make me feel like I'm a little bit smarter. But all of this to say, look, I mean, you land Devontae, you land Devontae. And and nobody, including myself, is going to question a signing like that, right? I'm not stupid. I'm just saying that before we fall in love with known entities, we should at least acknowledge that championship teams aren't built that way. And there's wins above replacement, to use the the baseball stat that's out there. But when you look at the war, I'm not sure the war really supports going out there and spending at wide receiver. A wise man once told me, Fitz, he said that the teams that are winning, quote unquote, in April and May, or I guess March and April, depending on, you know, essentially the teams that win free agency aren't often the teams that you see winning in November, December, January, right? And, and I think that there's value. Like, look, if you're a piece away, if you say, hey, we're a, we're a Super Bowl team, we're ready to go, we're just missing one position X, and you do your homework and you say the best guy is a free agent and you spend big money to bring him in, then yeah, 100%. That makes sense for you. But to your point, I think you look around the league, it makes more sense financially in terms of building a program for the future, not a, not a 12-month deal. It makes more sense to find those diamonds in the rough, to find the guys in the draft that are going to give you a chance to be good for not just one year, but two, three, four, five years down the road. So, uh it's, it's so interesting where you look at the way that teams decide to go about roster building. And, I mean, you look at the Rams this year. I mean, the way, the way they did it is completely different than the way the Bengals did. And it's, uh, it's an interesting case study for, for sure to see what organizations do certain things and why they do it. The, the biggest thing to me is to have purpose in what your mm-hmm. game plan is. Because you're absolutely right. We saw that there are two ways. Speaking of the Bengals, about 15 minutes ago, Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, tweeted out that the Bengals have used the franchise tag on safety Jesse Bates. I don't think that's a surprise to most people. One of the better safeties on the market. They're going to get something worked out long term. Also, some huge breaking news from Adam Schefter. The NFL has suspended Calvin Ridley for the 2022 season for betting on games. So a little bit of shocking news there, speaking of wide receivers. But when you start talking about approach, this is why I think it was so important that Ziegler and McDaniel started together at the same time with a common vision. Because whether you decide you're going to go the Bengals way or whether you decide you're going to go the Rams way, they're both right. They both got you to a Super Bowl. So the question becomes, what is this intent for this regime and what are they comfortable doing to build? How are they comfortable building for longevity? And, you know, when you start talking about Sean McVay, and I think this was under talked about at the Super Bowl, the fact that there was real conversations about whether or not he wanted to continue coaching tells you that he was all in right now because he didn't even know whether he was going to see the future. It's like playing Madden when you don't think you're going to play future franchise seasons. You handle that totally differently. That may not be the approach of Ziegler and McDaniels. I would be surprised if it is. So if that isn't the approach for Ziegler and McDaniels, what I think is important at that point is to stay true to your approach, to, to be honest with your approach, and to keep that timeline moving in the way that you're real about who you are and who you want to be. And you can't listen to the fans, and you can't listen to bloviating gas bags like me and you. You just got to do exactly what, what speaks true to how you know to build a football team. And you got to own your process. 
You have to commit to it. You have to say, hey, this is how we're doing it. This is what is important to us. And this is how we are going about business. And one thing that, that Dave has said to me a handful of times, Fitz, uh, you know, he said the first time we sat down with him uh, about a month and a half ago, and then we, he talked about it again in Indy last week, was he goes, we have our process, but we are always continually tweaking and upgrading and, and kind of identifying how to make that process better. We have the fundamental uh, idea of what we want to do, what's important to us in terms of building an organization, how we grade out a prospect. But he goes, we are always, 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 always looking for ways to increase that process. And one thing that Champ Kelly told me that I, that I wrote down in my notebook when we were talking, he said, we only have two things in terms of football. We go, we have our people and we have our processes. And so the fact that the, the continuity between the three of those guys, Josh McDaniels, Champ Kelly, Dave Ziegler, the fact that they are so locked in, they have an understanding of what they want to do and how they want to get from A to Z. I think if you're a fan of this team headed into the 2022 offseason and you're hearing that kind of continuity, that kind of consistency from the higher-ups that are going to make the decisions that are going to impact this roster for the next four, five, six years, you have got to be smiling from year to year. 702-365-9200. That's how you get in on the conversation. You can call us. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitch. You can also tweet or uh, text us. Not tweet us. You can tweet us if you want to, but you can text us 69187, and then you just text RNR, like Raider Nation Radio, along with your message. You guys know uh, the routine on it. Eddie just mentioned process, and all of that is impacted by one thing. There's one thing that absolutely nobody within the Raiders should look at when it comes to their process and what it means specifically for their division rivals. I'll tell you what it is next. Again, he's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz, and we're filling in for JT on the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT is Jason Fitz and Eddie Pascal. Eddie, tell me you've gone to see the Bruno Mars residence at, at oh, the park. Oh, man, I Fitz, mean, I, don't, I don't have Bruno Mars money right now, brother. I will say, though, I did not, uh, not three hours ago, I did purchase tickets for the weekend when he comes oh. in the summer. So the wife nice. and I are gonna are gonna hit that, and uh, I was saying though I want to, and I'm kind of the same this way with Drake, where I'm excited that the weekend's coming. It's gonna be great. I can't wait to see kind of the production that he puts on. But I just want it to be sad weekend. I don't want any of this like weekend <laughs> from the past like six seven years. I want mixtape weekend because mixtape weekend was when I was when I was in college, and me and my buddies would just sit around and we would just be dark. And we would just, you know, be be with our thoughts. And you're just sitting there in the silence. And I want two and a half hours of that. Give me that weekend. That's who I want to uh, hang out with. You know what? I I I want to respect that. I really do. I, if, I, I love that you want to get your feels, though. I like. I'm yeah, all in oh for yeah. you. Want to get me? Oh yeah. Yeah. Th- th- there we go. Uh, I I would be all in on on Bruno. That's a oh, destination. Yeah, for sure. I got to go see Bruno. For sure. Uh, I mean, no you doubt. talk about just what a showman fits. What an absolute oh, yeah. showman. Yeah, there, there's uh, there is no no doubt about that. Uh, you guys can chime in 702-365-9200. Eddie Pascal, I'm Jason Fitz. A couple of you guys are hanging on. Raider 27, thanks for calling the show, man. What do you got? Hey, um, I always look at the draft as um, I, want a, I want a really, really good player in the first round and then fill needs after that. So I never really thought, you know, oh, we need a tackle. Let's take a tackle. It's a first-round pick when there's really good players sitting there that are going, wow, that guy's a potential star. I think we could fill – I think there's going to be a lot of teams offloading players trying to get into the cap this year. I think we'll be able to get a tackle and maybe even a guard before the draft. If we can do that, then we can use that first pick. And, and there's a lot of 
good players in this draft that are going to be available at 22. But the real question is, is how much would you have to give up just to draft all the Georgia kids? (laughs) Just draft them all. I I love that. Thanks, Raider27. By the way, is is Raider27 – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say Fitz. Is Raider27 my old neighbor Randy from Alameda? Because Randy was, was a Georgia alum. And I just feel like that would be right in his wheelhouse. Like, we'll just take all the Georgia guys. Just take them all. Every single one. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad approach. Like, I, I think we're going to yeah, look back at, at that all. defense historically and say, oh, my God. I mean, the, the athleticism that they had was absolutely – I mean, that that's – they're insane. So anybody you're getting from Georgia right now, just to understand that you are getting a, a absolute man that can play. There is no doubt about that. Uh, with And I don't mind – Look, I'm with you, Raider 27, on the approach, by the way. Like, I think what happens is, for so many years, all of us as Raiders fans, like, I wear my fandom on my sleeve. Uh, you're picking in the top of the draft, and all you think about for months is the one thing you desperately need. And because it becomes sort of a fixation, and you're reading every mock draft, and every mock draft person is saying, well, we know that this team needs, and you insert it there. Like, I, I think the best thing to do is look at it and say, is there a player? Who's the top player on my board? And is that player an improvement from somebody I currently have on my roster? And if the answer to that is yes then you go for it so but that again is a absolute oversimplification from somebody that's qualified to sit in front of a microphone not build a roster like I think that there's so much more to that Eddie and 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 there's so much nuance to understanding value that you're getting in the draft now versus value you could get in free agency versus value you could get from replacement players like that all has to play into the equation the Rubik's Cube if you will and and the thing is two things fits is one we were talking earlier about we don't really know what to expect from the Ziggler's McDaniels tandem right we do not have history to look back on and be like okay this is how they like to handle free agency this is what they covet in the draft so we're all going to be going on kind of this wild ride together and essentially just being like all right like let's see what these guys got like we are going to learn we talked about the combine uh, as an information gathering time really from now until the start of training camp for all of us fits the people that talk about this team we're going to be information gathering as well so in, in, in learning what this new front office likes but the other thing is and we talk about the totality of the draft class and I know this is not the world we live in and I know as soon as I say this, I'm going to be like, well, I, I, I can't do this either. But we shouldn't be allowed to react and have takes on the draft until the draft is over. We shouldn't be allowed to do it because we're gonna, we get so worked up about the first round. Oh, who's going to be there at 22? Who are we snagging at 22? Oh, we traded out of the first round. And it's going to be, this is the best thing ever. This is the worst thing ever. I mean, look at last year. Like, look at last year, how much the tone of the Raiders draft class changed, at least the outside perspective, from day one to day two. Like, we as fans shouldn't be allowed to react and hit the old Twitter machine until Saturday night at the absolute earliest. And I know it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, That's a great idea. And I've, I've suggested in the past, although, you know, not to any... I've suggested what if we go in and and dra- uh, grade the draft graders like five years from now like let's let's go in and see how those grades shape up when you're five five years later you know that that's one of the things too that happens even Saturday Sunday is that everybody's going to come in with a massive reaction to the draft and what it should have been with no context to what actually is going to happen so you know I, I think that has to be factored into just win Wendy on the phone lines with us just win Wendy what do you got hey how you doing guys I'm so glad to hear fit. And um, Eddie on the radio again. Oh, we're back. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay. I mean, I love JT. No no saying about that. And I know you guys have regular jobs. 
so you can't do this all the time, but it's a real gift when you're on the on the air, and you guys are quick and uh, witty, and I just love it. So, Hey, Wendy, your check's question. in the mail, by the way. I sent it out <laughs> yesterday, so it, it should arrive by end of day tomorrow. Yeah, Eddie wrote it, though. Like I, I'm cheap. Good, Eddie wrote the good. check. It's going to be good. It's a good very check. Good. Every day. I'll keep calling if it's good. Um, okay, so here's the deal. When we, I was listening all week last week. I'm, a, I'm one of those no off season people, and um, I can't, I couldn't find anywhere if there's any list or any insight as to do the Raiders interview anybody, and is that always a secret? I mean, I have a couple of questions. That's one of them. Do we ever know who they actually interview? And, and then my second question is um, about linebackers. I mean, I have a few linebackers that I would like to dispose of, because you were talking about disposable players. So <laughs> there's a couple that I would love to have us dispose of. Um, and where do you think that might come from? Um, do you think we'll be getting rip, uh, free agents from linebackers, or do you think we'll be drafting anybody? So those are my two. Wendy, thanks for the call. You're awesome. And uh, I'll answer the, the – Eddie was in Indy, so I'll let Eddie take uh, the Indy part of it. I'll say on the linebackers quickly, if you, you're going to look at a bunch of uh, mock drafts in general that will show you uh, – N'Kobe uh, uh, Dean out of Georgia is on some mock drafts sitting there at 22. He is one of the smartest college football players I've ever been around one of the most delightful people I've talked to that plays college football. Uh, I, I, if N'Kobe if Dean is sitting there at, at 22, that would be really tempting for the Raiders to take him. Also, Asamoah out of Oklahoma is just a beast. So there are a couple of guys that I think, depending on what this defense wants to be, they're going to have to identify what they're looking for in a linebacker. But I, I, I'll say it right now. If you get N'Kobe Dean, then he is wearing the green dot and he is putting all your guys in the right position within seconds. Uh, he, he is too smart not to be successful and also a beast athletically. Uh, Eddie, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on N'Kobe and, and then like for the interview process, that's usually kept pretty quiet. Did you hear any wild whispers? Yeah, I mean, the, the interview process, like you said, is pretty quiet. And I think you look at, I mean, there's certainly not an official list that comes out from the league of, hey, these 19 players met with the Raiders, these 17 met with the Chiefs, yada, yada, yada. But I, you, I will say that when you uh, have some of these prospects that go to their podium sessions, and that's the way that the combine is set up, where each guy essentially has his moment in front of the microphone, and you see teams, you know, folks from different uh, markets being like, "Hey, did Player X? Did you happen to meet with the Bucks?" And I'll, you know, they say yes, no, whatever it is. So I think that's really kind of our best gauge of finding out who teams met with. But I'll tell you this: a very busy week in Indy for the Raiders, uh, uh, for the Raiders front office. Uh, but th- we talked about Nicobe Dean. I mean, Charles Davis, we talked to him, uh, and I know up against a fit. We talked to uh, Charles Davis, and he said, hey, if N'Kobe Dean's there at 22, that's a guy that's going to make your football team better immediately. So I think there's a, that would be a, a, great, uh, a great coup for the silver and black. And he's one of the guys that I was watching throughout the season. And I said, hey, I kind of like this guy. I kind of like what he brings to the table. Uh, does he make it all the way to 22? Eh, we'll have to figure it out, but, or we'll have to wait and see, I should say. But, yeah, a dude that is going to make some team in the NFL very, very happy on Thursday night. And I'm just going to go back to the other part of it. The defensive principle is that when you want to be varied on defense, you better have somebody particularly smart back there that's helping everybody get lined up. You got to have somebody that has street smarts, football smarts, life smarts, all of that. And 
he definitely crosses that off. We'll find out quickly in free agency how they feel about the linebackers, I think, also, as they keep breaking it down. You guys can hang out with us, 702-365-9200. You can also text 69187, and then you just text RNR and your message, and we'll read some of those texts on the air. In the meantime, I said it earlier, Eddie talked about process, and process depends on one thing that has to do with the division rival. I'll tell you about it next on the JT The Brick Show. Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, filling in on Raider Nation Radio.